This is Dr. James Cruz, Medical Director of Wayne Memorial Community Health Centers with your Wayne Memorial Health System COVID-19 update for Monday, July 13th. So as of Friday, there were 94,000 cases in Pennsylvania. That's 5,000 new cases in Pennsylvania in one week, which is a spike, but is not out of control like many states. While we do have a higher number of cases than most states, remember the size of Pennsylvania. We're only number 28 in per capita cases, so we're doing pretty well. Also, Friday's data was very good, showed that Wayne and Pike County only have had about five new positive cases in the past week with 516 negative. So that's good news for us because it had been seeming like we were seeing increasing, but we really didn't see an increase over the past week. So uh, things are still staying flat. You know, most of the new cases in Pennsylvania really are in the western part of the state, kind of around Pittsburgh. And there's been some kind of interesting talk about there being more cases than le and less deaths. And I want to talk about the possibilities of that. Now, one is that the virus is mutating to be less deadly, and this actually may be happening. Viruses do tend to do that. In an article about the Pittsburgh outbreak, medical, the medical director of UPMC said that they've detected a mutated strain that may be more infectious but less deadly, but it's really too soon to know for sure what's going on with that right now. There certainly are other factors in play about this, more cases, less death. You know, a younger population is getting it. Uh, in Pittsburgh, the median age now is 29. So contact tracing is revealing that many of these cases is from young people going out to bars and restaurants without masks or returning from out-of-state vacations. Early in the epidemic, many of the big outbreaks were in nursing homes, which saw a very high death rate. You know, young people don't tend to get as sick, but that does not mean you can go out and not worry. First of all, these cases in young people are driving spread of the virus, and it definitely will get out to vulnerable populations in our communities. Also, young people do die, especially if there's risk factors, and some of the bigger ones are vaping and obesity. You know, I was reading a story about a 30-year-old in Texas who um, died this past week. He went to a COVID party. Um, and according to the ICU nurse taking care of him right before he died, he said he went to that COVID party thinking COVID was a hoax, and he made a big mistake. Older Americans, also older Americans are certainly being more cautious and more likely to stay at home. I see that in my own patients. So they may be getting exposed less than young people are. And we're doing a much better job of protecting the nursing home population with, with routine testing of staff and patients in most nursing homes. Um, the other part of this, are we seeing more cases and less death, is, are we t is it because of testing more? We are doing more testing, and we're certainly picking up milder cases of the disease that we were missing early on. But, once again, if it's increasing in your community, more cases and more severe cases and deaths will follow that. You know, there's a lag time to dying, and the deaths usually la lag a couple of weeks behind um, the cases, and also because of death reporting and death certificates, the reporting of deaths lag. So we are seeing an increase in deaths in hard-hit areas like in, you know, Florida, Texas, Arizona. You know, hospitals and ICUs in Miami, Houston, and Phoenix are full, you know, with patients waiting in the hallways in the emergency room. So we certainly have all the signs that much of this is due to the lag in time from cases being detected to seeing the increase in deaths in the community. And uh, you know, also I want to talk about public health versus the economy. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci 
said in a recent interview with JAMA that they are not opposing forces. It is not either or. Public health guidance can allow us to open the economy faster and more safely. We can't just do this based on our gut instinct, but really need to base it on science and the recommendations of the expert. Um, you know, the, the recent spike in some of these cases, uh, and some of these states really bear this out. We can't just stick our head in, in the sand and, and hope it goes away. We really have to address the problem head on. As someone said, denial is not a life strategy. Uh, one point is looking at where spread is happening and really targeting those interventions. Um, in, in Pittsburgh, the contact tracing is showing the spread in bars and restaurants. So they're really talking about tightening down on bars and restaurants, limiting them or closing them, and allowing other parts of the economy to stay more relaxed. And I hope that you can balance the public health versus reopening and reopen more safely. Um, and other countries have shown us that, that contact tracing really helps with this, and we, we really need to speed that up. And then the, the last thing I want to talk about was there's some um, <clears throat> there's a controversy that came out about aerosols and airborne transition uh, a transmission. A group of scientists have really pushed WHO to admit that COVID-19 may be spread by aerosols. And so what are aerosols versus respiratory droplets, and what does this mean? You know, droplets are larger particles that are expelled when we cough or sneeze. And they travel an average of about three feet and kind of a maximum of six feet in most cases and fall to the ground. That's where we get this idea of six feet distance. Aerosols are tinier droplets that can float on air currents and can travel much further and linger in air for much longer. And they're formed actually when you talk loud or even breathe hard. Most respiratory viruses have, are transmitted mainly by the larger respiratory droplets that either fall out of the air, um, they, we either inhale them or pick them up from surfaces. And viruses that are normally found in aerosols don't tend to be very infectious. COVID-19, however, does appear to stay infectious for longer in aerosols. There is evidence that this aerosol spread is happening by some of these super spreader events like the church choir in Oregon and the crowded restaurant in China. But I think there's something really important to, to think about. Aerosols also dilute out in the air uh, over time and distance. And so many of the same things we've been saying are really the things that we do for aerosols. I really think we've all assumed that that it's not just large droplets, but that aerosols are important. That's, that's where we get a lot of our guidance from. Um, and we're doing the right thing. You know, surgical masks prevent the large droplets, but also reduce aerosols. And none of us, I think, have ever thought that this six feet is like a magical barrier, that everything stops there. We realize that, you know, seven feet's better than six feet or ten feet's better. Um, so I think all of these things still reduce our risk of aerosols. And then a lot of the other things we've been talking about is avoiding indoor events where people are singing, shouting, talking loud, exercising close together. This is all about aerosol spread. And so really avoiding those events, staying outdoors as much as possible for events, having good airflow and ventilation, using bigger spaces, all of these are important for both the droplet and aerosol transmission. So I really think our guidance is based on what we've been seeing going on with transmission and what's been making a difference. So these are the same recommendations we've been emphasizing. This is Dr. James Cruz, Medical Director of Wayne Memorial Community Health Centers with your Wayne Memorial Health System COVID-19 update for Monday, July 13th.
Remember, you can hear this update anytime you'd like using the Radio Bowl podcast site. Go to RadioBowl.com slash COVID-19 to hear all of our updates anytime. Thank you.